This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions. Talking all things Pac-12 football we just had so much work to do after Pac-12 Media Day that we decided to take <laughs> the week off, I guess. I don't know. Are we mailing it in because we don't know, you know, USC and UCLA are going to be in the Pac-12 any longer? How would you know? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Like, what would, how different would that how, look? How would, how would this be different in any way <laughs> if we were mailing it in versus what we are doing? I don't know. But I'm sorry we did take the week off, but we're going to get into our season previews and we're getting, we're going to hear from all the different publishers hopefully, uh, across 24-7 sports for the Pac-12. Um, today, you're going to hear about Arizona, Colorado, Oregon State, Washington, and, of course, USC and UCLA. So we'll, have, we'll get on everybody else and make sure they send in their voicemails and uh, get you those next week. So we'll do half a preview. No more divisions, so we're just doing it by whoever called in when I asked for them. So now I have to like double ask and make sure they do it again. David, of course, did absolutely nothing, but that's what David does. I sit here and I look pretty. Yeah, but we just happened to get six. Well, we got four, and then we'll do ours. Uh, if we had got six, we would just do ours next week. That's just kind of – things just work out, you know? Yeah, it's beautiful. It, serendipity. It, serendipity. Uh, but we got a bunch of questions to get to, and if you want to send us a question uh, as we're heading into the season, you can email us. That's probably the best way, pac12podcast at gmail.com. You could call or text us at 424-532-0678. We do have a voicemail. Sith Lord calling in our resident Stanford fan. Uh, you can tweet us at PAC 12 podcast and the website is PAC 12 podcast.com. If you want to go over to the Reddit and chat with other POC listeners, reddit.com slash R slash podcast of champions. And if you have that little Apple podcasting app on your iPhone, that's sitting in your pocket right now, or if you're listening on it, pull it out. You might be listening to us. Make sure you follow the show, follow the podcast of champions, rate us five stars. I, I, I got word. From our jockey guy, Tom, we're going to get some more gift cards. So we got to figure oh, out what to baby. do. We got to figure oh, out what to do. Baby. It might be for for reviews. I don't know what we'll do them for. Maybe it'll be reviews. Uh, but yeah, please go over there and rate us. Or wherever you listen to the podcast, if you can leave us a rating there, uh, we do appreciate that. And uh, tell your friends. We have a new rating. We have a new rating. Oh, nice. This is a five-star rating from Carson K. Perfect. I've made a huge mistake. 
I've been listening to the show for a few years now. This fact has led me to really question some of my life choices. For those new listeners from the Big Ten trying to figure out what all these West Coast schools are all about, here's a quick summary of the show. Ryan and Dave record the show from what was the grotto of the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> they used to have a segment in which they summoned the ghost of Hugh Hefner to speak through O.J. Simpson's old Heisman Trophy to pick the weekend's games, but sponsor nervousness and O.J.'s release from the Nevada Department of Corrections ended all that. It is never mentioned now. Of the two hosts, Ryan generally seems the more engaged. However, however, after USC's hiring of Lincoln Riley, Ryan has started a slow burn Trojan heel turn that we all fully expect to be completed by the first game of the 2022 season. Dave is not as quite as engaged as Ryan, but then again, he is now in his fourth decade of PTSD at the hands of the UCLA football program. Sometimes Ryan will take out a picture of a gridiron and ask Dave to show us at which field marker the bad man, take your pick of any coach since 1990, <laughs> destroyed his faith in college football. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, they generally have they generally save that bit for sweeps. Don't worry though, they are just your normal SoCal guys. But I will warn you, Big Ten towns, that if they show up for a game and can't get their coconut water, goji berries, and oat milk for breakfast, it could get ugly. If only they devoted half as much energy to football analysis than trying to figure out which breakfast cereal mascot would win a Kellogg's General Mills Battle Royale, we might learn something. All in all, they are the perfect Pac-12 football podcast, weirdly entertaining in spite of every effort to maintain mediocrity. By the way, I finally broke down and wrote your review, not because of a hopeful jockey giveaway once the season starts, but because Dave ran some dreadnought gloss in the last episode, thus raising my opinion of the UCLA history department. Apparently, they were able to drill something into the mind of a young David Woods. I think he needs a jockey gift card. I think Carson K <laughs> definitely needs a jockey gift card. And, you know, I've been to Columbus. You know how hard it is to get an acai bowl there? It's just terrible. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, set, set, email us, and I'll, I'll send you a gift card. Yeah. <laughs> I might have one left over from last time, so I will send you one myself no matter what. Or I'll, I'll just give you $100. That was a, that's an awesome review. Like, yeah. I feel like now I'm ready. For, like, Pac-12 Media Day sort of gets no, ready for No, but now I'm ready for the season, that baby. freaking review gets me ready for the season. Absolutely. Yeah. It gets ready for POC season, baby. I mean, what is it anything better than POC season? No. Not the football season. I'm, now that we're in here, now I'm kind of pissed that USC and UCLA are leaving. Like, I, I don't want yeah. this to end. Well, it's not going to no, end. No, no, We're going to keep going. We, we don't want this. We don't want this shit coverage of a shit conference to end. No. We want to keep it going. We're going to do it. I think that are we are we going to cover this conference ironically in 2024. No, well, when both it. of our programs are six and six in the Big Ten, I think it's the only thing that's going to be worthwhile to cover. Perfect. All right. Well, so this is not ending. Podcast of Champions is going to roll on. We appreciate that. That, re that review just fired me up for the whole day. Yeah. So I'm ready. Um, okay, so what are we going to do today? So we're go we have uh, we're going to do some team previews for sure, and uh, we're going to hear from the publishers over at Arizona, Colorado, uh, Oregon State, and Washington, uh, like we talked about. We'll do USC and UCLA ourselves, but we need to do a little review of uh, Pac-12 Media Day real briefly because it's been a couple weeks since that that all went down. Dave and I were both there, so you figure like two of us are there, both hosts. So we're going to do like this big show. We were thinking about even doing a show in the car on the way back. That didn't happen. Mm -mm. Uh, life kind of got in the way. Totally. And uh, yeah, so we didn't get to do any kind of uh, review of Pac-12 Media Day. But, you know, George Klyovkov came out firing against the Big 12, uh, threw a few bombs their way. Uh, you know, I think I think he needed to get a little bit off his chest. And, I, you know, I was totally fine with, you know, the stuff he said. Uh, a lot of talk about USC and UCLA uh, leaving and you know, I, I didn't get much of a reaction from people. Um, 
you know, as far as that, you know, that stuff goes. But, you know, overall, it was fine. It was like a cramped room, um, space age looking kind of stuff uh, where they had it at the uh, what was that? It was that what was the hotel? No, that was the um, it was LA Live. LA Live thing. What's the it's not the Nokia theater anymore. It's it's something else. It was a different theater. I forget what they call it. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, it was like a cramped sort of space that we were in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, uh, it was, I, I joked on Twitter that it was about the size of my childhood home, but my childhood home was pretty small. So it wasn't quite that Ryan is messing with the audio. So I just sounded like I was in a deep tunnel. Yeah. At least to me, but that's fine. I don't care. Sorry about that. Um, the Wi-Fi was bad. Um, Wi-Fi was terrible, but apparently it was terrible at SEC media days at Big Ten media day. So the Pac-12, it wasn't just like the Pac-12 screwed it up. Like everybody's media days, Wi-Fi sucked from the reporters that I saw. Look, we'll take those reports and uh, put them put them where they deserve to be. Um, for me, which is yes. all that matters, the Wi-Fi was horrible. The cell service was horrible. There was no way to quickly upload anything. Um, the room was very small and cramped. Um, the lunch was fine. Lunch was fine. The breakfast was me. It's all right. It was like a Fairfield Inn. Um, the uh, you got in a Twitter fight. Someone said there was an insult to Fairfield Inns, right? Yeah, I mean, it didn't have a waffle maker, so I can understand why they might think so. Right. Um, but uh, overall, yeah, it was a uh, it was a fine experience. Ryan drove me. That was nice. I did. Uh, he drove me to and from. Um, didn't leave me there, so that was good. Um. As for the actual media coverage of the event, um, it's a non-event. It doesn't matter. It's uh, media availability, <laughs> and talking about it at length is uh, an insane thing to do. Yeah, so we don't need to talk about it much. I mean, no, I no, I want, I want more. Give me more. You want more? Like this is hard for me that we did both go to this and didn't provide any sound, didn't you know, do a recap episode or whatever. It would have been perfect last week. Let's, I forget what. Let's, exactly. let's re- like it would be like like the equivalent is. I guess you do this, don't you? You do like instant analysis of shit Lincoln Riley just said to us Mm -hmm. instead of of just posting the video of what Lincoln Riley just said. I do that, but also like observations. We kind of like sum it all up. Yeah, but it's an observation of somebody else's thing that they said. No, but then we watch like the 30 minutes of practice. Uh, If it's only Lincoln Riley, I'm not going to do an instant analysis from that. But if it's like we got to talk to. But what you're talking about right now is doing an instant analysis of a bunch of people talking. That's true. Yeah. Like that's what you wanted to do from Pac-12 Media Day. I 100% wanted to do that from Pac-12 Media Day because you, do you want to listen to like six hours of people talking, or do you want someone that watched most of it or listened to all I've of it? I've got a great idea. Neither. Yeah. <laughs> read read three quotes in the like. This is where um, I think the internet age has actually like hurt the way um, sports are covered because you have too much access to these people. Like, wasn't it better when there was, like, a newspaper that curated all of this down to, like, a just a fine paste of, like, three quotes? Because that's all that's all anybody wants to read is those three quotes that are interesting and the rest can just be thrown away. Because most football coaches aren't interesting. Most football players aren't interesting. Most people are like, eh, yeah, it's fine. But they're not, like, equipped to, like, give really interesting sound, as Ryan calls it. So just, you know. Yeah. Three quotes. Jed Fish was interesting. I like Jed Fish. Yeah, he was good. I'm a big fish head. Uh, fish was good. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, overall it was uh, it was good. Did you have any issues? Like people were giving the USC players crap because they were wearing suits instead of like polos. I I noticed it, but I didn't. 
I didn't. Care I, I'm one just way not like other. a. I don't care what people dress like, but yeah, it's but like, it ends up being a thing like, oh, you're dressed up and you're not, or I don't. I mean, when people like will tweet me and like, can you believe they were wearing the the white socks they had on had a line on them or something? Like, I, I no, I didn't even. No, know that I, I, I feel the same way about the uniform tweets. Oh my god, they, the people pe- get on people me, who like, are like, oh my god, the 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 helmet has the slightly wrong shade of gold. <laughs> it's not quite as glossy as it needs to be. It's not shiny. Didn't they paint the face masks differently last year? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't care. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. They're like, oh, the font choice for the numbers. Oh, my God. What assholes. I hope they die in a fire. And I'm like, I I, I couldn't tell you. As I long as I can I, read the number, I don't care. I could not tell you when, what When font. you can't read the number, that annoys me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Functional stuff. Yeah, sure. I want to be able to read the number. Um, If they're like uniforms are constantly like being ripped apart, like those Adidas uh, tech fit things. Like they're just constantly getting torn. I might notice that and be like, "That's probably not great." You probably don't mm-hmm. want that. Um, but like beyond that, who gives a shit? Uh, there are people that do, and then they they want you to you, they want you to like, yeah, like if it's like a white socks or black socks or the shoes. If I have like to this- read one more goddamn thread on bro about the UCLA stripe, and like, oh no, it needs to be the full thing around the shoulder. It can't be just half a half a stripe. It can't just be a skid mark. I'm oh like, no, I agree with that. Yeah, it has. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. About. <laughs> Full stripe, baby. Full stripe. Who gives a shit? <laughs> All right. Well, that's our glorious pack of media. I hope everyone encapsulated it with th- those last four words from me. Yeah. Who gives a shit? I know. Uh, there was some news. Uh, the Pac-12 announced. Um, it's a that Veteran Sports and Entertainment Human Resource Executive. Uh, Quayshon Lockett has been named to the newly created role of chief people and inclusion officer. Jesus Christ, Ryan. What? You're just, you're just reading a personnel release from the Pac-12 well, right now? news, right? You know? Is it? He's affected immediately. Boom. Klyovkov. Put him in there. Hold on. Kalashnikov. He had a few shots at the fact of it. I don't know. Just like I actually, I thought he was getting like some negative uh, pub for some of the stuff he said. I thought I thought Glavkov was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he t- he he postured, which I think he needed to do. Um, so he was good. Okay, I'm going under the assumption that there's people that actually like the Pac-12 conference, and if we we should at least mention when newsy stuff happens. Now, maybe that's not super newsy. Nobody gives a shit about like the what fifteenth person in the line of succession at the Pac-12. Hmm. Does anybody? I don't know. Maybe not. I just, like, oh, this middle manager was just hired. Okay. Well, I just mentioned him. Um, <laughs> but those, <laughs> you're the, you definitely don't care. But some of our listeners might. I Will they? I don't know. We'll see. Please uh, chime in, listeners. Did you care about that note that Ryan just uttered? Yeah. Um, you guys got to follow Chris Cartman. Even though he told me he was going to call in a preview and he did not, at least as of now. But uh, that investigation in for Arizona State, like it's just going slower. And I think we were. I was talking to Cartman about it at Media Day because he was sitting next to us, and uh, the NCAA hasn't, con- you know, completed interviews with the Arizona State coaches and staffers yet. So um, Michael Crow, the president, was on talked to the Athletic this past week or last week, and um, yeah, so this is going slow. And uh, Cartman told me the same thing when we were sitting next to each other. So I don't know, like it's, it, I think it impacts a lot of our, what we're going to think of Arizona state and their, you know, preseason previews and things. So I'm curious to, to hear from him on that. Cause if the investigation comes down and like, 
oh, by the way, Herm knew a whole bunch of stuff and you have to fire him. And that happens in like October. That's going to have an impact on things, you know, but uh, yeah. So if you're waiting for the NCAA investigation to, to go forward, it's, it's going very slow, apparently. So I don't think that's good. No, probably not. The big uh, breaking news, and this is Thursday when we're recording this, and we haven't got official word, but you know, this week it was reported, and I think it was the Sports uh, Business Journal, uh, that ESPN is out after 40 years, and ABC's been there for like almost 60 years, uh, with the Big Ten. So it looks like the Big Ten media deal is going to be north of a billion dollars a year. Uh, about half of it's going to be Fox. That's their big noon kickoff game. They're going to have basically the best Big Ten game every week at 9 a.m. on the on the uh, West Coast. Uh, but the the interesting part is the way they're splitting it up. CBS lost that the the SEC game. They're going to get that time slot for the Big Ten now. So 3:30, they're continuing their uh, they're continuing that deal. That's like 300 million. And then NBC is getting into it without Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's still there, at least for now. They're going to take the night spot. So kind of like their Sunday night football, they're going to have like a Saturday night football. So the the primetime East Coast game will be NBC. So the fact that they have three major partners kind of all together, similar to, I think, what they want to do, they would like to envision for the college football playoff, like the NFL playoff, like everybody has a piece. Like So the Big Ten, ESPN does have a piece, but everyone else... Uh, has a piece and what that means for the Pac-12 I mean it could be a number of things a positive is ESPN's going to need inventory they're out of the Big Ten for right now um, negative is a couple of the big players that you could have worked with like CBS if you would have been if you would have been CBS's conference that would have been better now CBS is sort of like part of the Big Ten same thing with NBC so two players that are kind of like could have been your main um, you know network are now part of the Big Ten and probably aren't going to be, you know, in the Pac-12. So ESPN needs stuff, but they don't. Well, they don't have a lot of competition for stuff. Uh, apparently, Amazon made some sort of, uh, a, you know, a significant offer, and the Big Ten wanted to keep it on. They're keeping it on over-the-air networks, like the whole thing, like the whole. You know, it's a it's a massive, massive deal. Um, so I'm curious to see what it means for the Pac-12. It, it could be slightly positive. Uh, any thoughts on all that or? Do you care? Like I you, do care. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. You actually care about this one. All right, good. Yeah, yeah, no. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully you like my summary there. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a very good summary. Um, I would say that it's probably good-ish for the Pac-12, if only because they've got a time slot. ESPN's going to want it. So with not having access to any of the Big Ten games, they're going to want a little more breadth of coverage, I would almost certainly imagine. Um, I mean, they still have like game day as a property that yeah. they need to fill out inventory for. Is that just going to be SEC game day? No. I mean, they, they need to do a little bit more than that. Um, I mean, they've done game day from like, you know, Ohio State, Michigan and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But will they now? Like, even though that game wasn't on ESPN at the time, it's going to be, you're curious. So how often does it, so the thing is, they do do that thing where they have um, coverage of the game at the game. But are they now that the strategic lines are being drawn a little bit more where you've got Fox, their poll is, you know, big, the Big Ten and ESPN's is the SEC. Are they going to really want to do cross promotional 
Like, are they really going to want to promote? But they have the playoff, so like you, you know, you're going to talk about Ohio State if they're going to be in the playoff. Like, you kind of have to, and that I think that's the benefit. If the playoff does get split up, then the NFL, everyone talks about everyone else's games, you know. And I think you want to get that way in college football. And I, you know, one of the interesting debates, and I want to get your thoughts on this. The athletic, one of the athletic podcasters talking about this. You know, if you weren't going to be talked about on Sports Center or college game day, like that would have mattered five years ago. Like it doesn't really matter now. Like do people really watch that stuff? Um, so is it, is the big 10 screwing themselves by not being on ESPN? Like if ESPN doesn't talk about them, like, I don't think it's as important today as it was, you know, certainly 10 years ago or five years ago. Not as important, but I think it still comes with a heavy bit of importance. I think ESPN still dominates, um, sports generally. Worldwide leader. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's obviously been some loss of market value, but this is, I mean, this is a really technical thing, but the production value on a general ESPN or ABC game, I find to be superior to Fox. Um, and especially once you get beyond the first game, like whatever the prime crew is on ESPN versus the big noon kickoff on Fox, if you go to the next level down, like the FS1 games on on Fox versus like an ESPN2 game, that isn't based on that one production truck in the Pac-12 region, but I was gonna like say, their, their next best thing. You're going you're to upset some people. Like I find that their like cameras are better. Like the picture quality is that better. That truck had it, like pong in it. I, <laughs> no, but it like looks like generally like a better product, except for that one truck that uh, that was the um, uh, Wilner's best work, by the way. Finding out the truck, like he had the license plate of the truck. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, something about ESPN, ABC games feel like college football in a way that like Fox, it just doesn't give me that same feel. Um, yeah. And that's sort of anecdotal and sort of just subjective. But um, I don't know. I think there's there's going to be some trade offs um, going completely off of ESPN, going completely off of ABC um, that, you know, I think it'll I think it'll hurt some things. Um, and, you know, not having access to all of the ESPN networks because what's going to happen with Fox and CBS and NBC is well NBC has NBC and then they've got I think an NBC sports channel I they think. have like Peacock well yeah they've got Peacock which is I think the NBC yeah so like CBS they, has CBS sports network and then they have Paramount, Paramount plus yeah so there some of this stuff is going to get put a on a lot there. of this is going to get pushed to streaming in a way that doesn't the thing with ESPN is when you have ESPN, you're getting ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN News, always. You have those four networks yeah. on TV that you can dump the things to. Fox has Big Fox, and then it's got FS1, and in some markets, FS2. But like, if you remember, like their priority for coverage, they, weren't, they were preempting football games for drag racing on Friday nights. Like that was a big one. That yeah, I think it was a truck racing. Yeah. yeah, whatever it was, but it's like I think I, it was Stanford, Washington, and it like started just, later. It's, it's just all I, I don't know. I think that was Larry Scott. There's like, going to be a lot of kinks to work out with a lot of that stuff. That um, I don't know. It's yeah, it's going to be weird. But for the Pac-12, um, you know, it's good that ESPN is going to need inventory. I mean, it's bad that there'll be fewer negotiations but maybe it's a similar thing where i mean the big 12 the big 10 is putting out this model where they're still valuing those you know you can see games on nbc over the air on cbs over the air on fox over the air and yeah streaming is going to be involved but the main component of this is over the air 
And so if you're if you're the Pac-12 and you're going to be big partner with ESPN for like your tier one stuff, I mean, the fact that Amazon was putting in a big bid for the Big Ten, you would hope that maybe that will fall down and and they'll get you know on the the Pac-12 and um, maybe that's how you kind of put it together and 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 add the revenue. I mean, the main port portion is going to be ESPN, just like the main portion for the Big Ten was Fox. Um, but then, you know, you were hoping that a partner like CBS or NBC could have been one of those bidders. Like, so that I think there's probably going to be one bidder unless you want to go with like an, uh, Amazon for your tier one rights. And it's like all games are on. Like, that's going to be tough. You know, I think just go uh, pure pay-per-view. Pure, pure, yeah. Five bucks a game. There you go. But the the numbers being thrown around now, like so, the Big Ten deal being like one point two billion a year, like that's just for these. I mean, yeah, I mean it's insane. Like I don't even think that's Big Ten Network, and I, I mean, so this the the estimates of you know you talk about hey why is USC and you so they're going to each get more than a hundred million a year. Like that's yeah. where you're going towards um, versus like thirty. Like you're more than tri- like I'm. I'm you're going to be more like tripling what you'd be making. So it's like, how do you turn that down? You know, um, other on the, as far as the stability of the, the pac 12, I think one of the things Klyovkov said was no teams are leaving for the, the big 12. And it seems like, and you read some of the reports and hear what's going on. There's big 12 people talking about, Oh, we're going to poach the pac 12. And then the pac 12 people, Oh, we're going to get, but do you want anything from the big 12? It seems like, I don't know, maybe it's like the mutually um, assured destruction sort of thing. Not that it's not that same concept, but basically there's like, there's no incentive to go after the other one. Like, is the Big 12 going to get a lot better? Is the Pac-12 going to get a lot better if you raid the other? Probably not. And you're not going to, if you're one of the schools, it doesn't look like your revenue is going to change all that much. So like if you're the Arizona schools and you go to the Big 12, it's not like you're doubling your, you know, what your revenue would be. So it it seems like things are stable right now. One, because it doesn't make financial sense for the Big Ten to keep rating until like a Notre Dame thing happens. And then two, going from Big 12 to Pac-12 or Pac-12 to Big 12 seems like a lateral move. And like, why bother? Like, why am I changing offices if my, you know, the salary is the same and my title is the same? Yeah. So it seems like we're kind of in a, this is what it's going to be. Like where we are right now is probably what it's going to be for a while. Yeah, without the breakup of the ACC, because I think the last like kind of big ones that anybody would covet outside of Notre Dame would be, I mean, the next ones, I should say, because I think Oregon and Washington are still somewhere in that conversation. But the next ones you would covet would all be ACC area. You know, some of those schools that have you know relatively big markets and um, uh, geographical fit and a lot of other stuff going on. And that's not going to happen uh, anytime soon. So um, I'm the more I think about it, I think the brakes are going to be tapped on just doing much of anything right now. Yeah. I know Kevin Warren was talking a big game about uh, doing some more expansion. I think it's probably mostly focused on Notre Dame. Adding Washington and Oregon doesn't seem to make a financial. It would be a uh, financial it, hit. It, it, yeah. would, it would be a financial hit on a per school basis. So I don't know that you would get necessarily get the buy in from the member institutions. So, yeah, I can kind of see everything just sort of standing pat for now because the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are relatively equivalent from a revenue standpoint right now. And uh, Oregon and Washington, okay, well, you go to the Big 12, uh, you're going to make roughly the same amount of money. 
Uh, Arizona, you're going to go to the Big 12 and make roughly the same amount of money, but be in a much more competitive back, uh, basketball conference. Does that sound good or bad? Because right now, Arizona is poised to be the only power uh, in the Pac-12 basketball conference. And as Gonzaga has proved, even if the Pac-12 really took a hit from a competitive standpoint, if you're the top dog in a league, um, you're still going to be able to get high seeds and everything. So I don't know. I don't know that a ton of movement makes sense at this point. I agree. Um, So when something like that happens, you're sort of like, you know, it's like an earthquake and you're waiting for the aftershock. We're like, oh, you know, what's going to happen next? And everything sort of settles in. And you kind of look at the the math, you look at the, you know, you know, could something crazy happen? Sure. Like there's a, if the Oregon president was pulling some behind the scenes thing and all of a sudden like, boom, like they, they strike some deal with Phil Knight and they're, they're going to come in with Notre Dame. I mean, who knows, you know, and we don't know what the, the fact that the NBC is signed with the big 10, is that good for Notre Dame? Is it bad for Notre Dame? The, I think Jack Swarbrick said, you know, we're in a good spot. You know, and I think he's right. You know, like there's could NBC give Notre Dame a big deal? Uh, it's only seven home games a year. You know, it's like what kind of you know what kind of money are you going to make from that? But you know, we'll see what this what transpires. But I don't know if it means Notre Dame's going to be more likely to go to the Big Ten. My gut is kind of saying that Notre Dame's just going to stay independent. My gut right now is saying like things are going to kind of stay this way for the next two years, which seems silly, but. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not seeing another big move, but we didn't see this one coming either. So true. Who knows? Um, well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and do uh, previews back in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How was your break? My break was good. Um, yeah, went to take a leak. Shotgun to beer. That was weird because <laughs> I was in there taking a dump. <laughs> so I was kind of surprised. I tried to make room for you, but mm. it was, um, it's yeah, a t- so it's a one toilet bathroom. Yeah, it's a tight bathroom. Yeah. It's not like a bunch of stalls or anything. Yeah. I'll try to get a better accommodation for you when you come I mean, if you to- could. I've been complaining about this computer for a long time. And I know. I haven't upgraded. I have not. Um, I can't wait. And we, considering we, how much money I gave you in seed investment for this office, <laughs> um, mm. where did that go? Yeah. Uh, well, I did get this paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do. We do want to do the video, the simulcast thing. But I was thinking about that. Like, we need to get a different background for you. You know. Yeah, I, I've I've thought about. We could that get like a rose bowl. I'm, I'm sitting in front of a big ass poster of a bunch of USC football players at the Coliseum that says Tunnel Vision. Yeah, that's the name of my video show. Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, uh, but we could get <laughs> this is something you could do. Get like a rose bowl one and hang hang it behind you. So we could just I have like a thing that a temporary thing we could just hang it. Um, I got the lights here. Like, boom, it'd be great. Otherwise, you can have 
uh, USC football players behind you. That's from the uh, Texas game in 2017. I mean, let's, let's be honest. What's going to end up happening? You're not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I just think I'm trying to give you motivation. Uh-huh. No. Yeah, still need more motivation. I'll, I'll be recording in front of a big thing that says tunnel vision. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we're going to do our preview. You are more inclined to get a big screen print of a Rose Bowl because you won't like the discordance. Like you would be you would be more likely to do the thing that you just told me. I would. Than I would. Oh, 100 percent. I would. Yeah. yeah. I would like, oh, we could and we could get our logo and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But probably not going to do that. But <laughs> mostly because we're short timers here. So, yeah. The show is done. We, in a year and a half. we are all short timers. As soon as, yeah, a year and like four months, we're done. As soon done. as the 2023 season ends. Sorry, people. We're going to say, peace the F out. No, we're, we're out this it. game. No. All right. Let's do some previews starting with Arizona Wildcats. Wow. Like I said, uh, Jetfish was a delight. Are you a to, fish head? I'm a fish head. No, I didn't. Some of his math was off as far as like, he was asked about like USC and UCLA, like, you know, recruiting in Southern California. He's done a really apparently, good job. Apparently, he's a very fast driver. Yes. Because uh, you can get apparently from LA Live to Tucson in five hours. Right. Which Chris Carmen said, you better have budgets for speeding tickets if that's the case. And like reckless, dr- reckless driving speeding tickets. Right. Not like, like uh, <laughs> go to jail once. Like <laughs> 130 miles per hour through the desert. <laughs> Speeding tickets. Right. Maybe he has a helicopter. I don't know. But whatever it is, um, he was just like, yeah, quick five-hour drive. Like, uh, no. But whatever. He was, you know, he's selling his program. Maybe he's just he's just recruiting the shit out of Palm Springs. That, yeah. Very, that, I love it. Yeah. It's a similar climate. So that's good. Uh, so our buddy Jason Shear uh, called in and gave us a preview. So let's play it for you. Hi, this is Jason Shear of WildcatAuthority.com. And Arizona's season is one of redemption, I guess you could say, in the sense that everybody knows basically how bad Arizona was last season, only getting one win against a COVID-depleted Cal team. This season, Jetfish has brought in a ton of new talent. It starts at quarterback with Washington State transfer Jaden Delora. He is the clear starter at Arizona right now, and he is the guy that Jetfish is hoping We'll, uh, we'll pick up the offense from last season where it struggled tremendously. In addition to Delora, Arizona went out and got Tatori McMillan, uh, five-star wide receiver, uh, added UTEP transfer Jacob Cowing, and another four-star player and tight end Keon Burnett. All three guys have been used in a very big way during camp, and it will be the focal point of the offense. Uh, the big story with the offense has been red zone, Arizona's focus, is on improving the red zone after the struggles from last season. Uh, if anything is going to hold the offensive back, it will be the offensive line. Arizona didn't go out and upgrade at the position uh, very much from last season, uh, but the hope is that the increased production from the quarterback position will help the offensive line look much better than it was last year. On the defensive side of the ball, Arizona hired Johnny Nansen as the new defensive coordinator and brought in Jason Cafusi as well to the defensive coaching staff to coach linebackers. The scheme will be totally different from last season. Arizona played a lot more man last season. It'll be a lot more zone after the secondary only got four interceptions last year. Players to watch out for on the defensive side of the ball, USC transfer Hunter Eccles will start on the defensive line and has put together a really nice camp in the spring and the fall. Uh, in addition, Christian Roland Wallace at corner looks to be 
better than he was last season. He should be one of the better corners in the conference. Jalen Harris on the defensive line um, is a guy that has, you know, looked good. He's kind of been on the edge of producing big seasons, but hasn't really gotten over the hump, and the hope is that he will be able to do so. Um, in terms of freshmen, Ephesians, Prysock, and Takaria Davis have come in at corner. Both are a legitimate six foot four. They're going to get into the rotation somehow. They won't start, but they'll be playing on the defensive side of the ball. And there'll be a little bit, I don't want to say a youth movement, um, but the defensive coaching staff has basically said, look, if, if these guys make mistakes, so be it. We need to be able to get them ready. But overall, uh, the defense will look different than it was in terms of personnel and overall scheme. It wasn't awful at times, but it allowed too many big plays because of the man-to-man coverage. But Arizona's a team, and, you know, in Vegas, the over-under is only two-and-a-half wins. The coaching. And then, uh, so the way this works is we had people call in with the um, our Google Voice line, and it only gets you three minutes. So sometimes people went a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, two-and-a-half. The over-under two-and-a-half on Arizona. You know what I respect about Jason? What? He didn't call back in, and he said, no, fuck it. <laughs> Why should I change? They're the one who sucks. Yeah. Um, it's not my technology. I'm with uh, Jason on what I think he was getting to, which was um, they're probably much more bullish on their team than the two and a half wins. Yes. Because uh, I think... The schedule blows, though. The schedule blows big chunks, but even with the schedule blowing ass, here's the thing. Here's the thing I would say about uh, one, uh, one uh, Arizona Wildcats schedule this mm-hmm. year. It blows big chunks. There's no getting around that. But Mississippi State's a middle-tier SEC team. North Dakota State's an FCS team. San Diego State's a Mountain West team. Mm -hmm. If Arizona has truly upgraded, each one of those, because Mississippi State is at home, is a winnable game. It's not like they're, uh, yeah, they got to play peak Oklahoma in Dallas. Alabama's coming to town. You know, it's, it's not that shit. I mean, they can beat San Diego State. On the road. I mean, what's wrong with that? Uh, you they, saw what San Diego State did. I mean, San Diego State beat Utah last year. Yeah, like because Cam Rising wasn't yet uh, the right. the starting guy. But that's Utah. Like this isn't. This yeah. is one in eleven Arizona. Uh, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a firm and complete prediction right now. Okay. They're gonna fuck up the Aztecs. All right, I like it. And they're gonna beat North Dakota State. And that Mississippi State game is gonna be a game. It's gonna be a real game. Mm-hmm. I have them at two and one going out of non conference. That would be. A huge, huge win. So what I'm saying is, I think there's, I think there's a better chance of them being a bowl team in 2022 than them finishing with two wins. Wow, I think it'd be too, really tough to get to bowl. I think they're gonna be, they're gonna look a lot better. They look good last You're year. You're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 last year, Jaden Delora. Jaden Delora, freshman, uh, was he like freshman of the year or something? You're also or? talking about uh, Jed, whatever his middle name is, Fish. Mm. Okay. I mean, come on, man. So be optimistic about it. I like it. I love it. All right. Perfecto. Yeah. Arizona, baby. Arizona. Uh, you're a big, you're a big uh, wildcat guy. All right. Uh, next up, let's preview. Colorado Buffalo. Did you hear much of Carl at, at Pac-12 Media Day? I didn't really get to hear much, but it was. Carl, um, love him, right? Uh, he's one of those guys that even if you are paying attention, his words just kind of uh, slip off your brain as they're coming out. Not like word salad, but no, more it's of, just like, oh, this is 
It's like background. It's just lovely background noise. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like elevator music. It's like, oh, okay. Cool. Wait, what did he say? He, I mean, I, I felt good listening yeah, to his yeah. words. No, he's got a really melodic voice. It's mm. all very nice. But I just did it, it. It never he he always um, at UCLA. It was it was the peak of coach speak from him um, until he got later on in his career and he got a little bit more ornery. But uh, it was just coach speak. And it's just this beautiful uh, layer of bullshit that's just impossible to pay attention to. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to our, our buddy, uh, our pal, Adam Munster Tiger, who we got to see at the media day as well. Uh, he's previewing the buffs. Hey, Ryan, this is Adam Munster Tiger. Let me try that again. I got cut off for some reason. I don't know if that was something on my end, but I'm going to try again. Uh, try to kind of recount what I was saying there. I could have edited that out, but I didn't. No, no, no. I respect Adam Munster Tiger reporting from Boulder, Colorado, picked to finish last in the Pac 12 preseason media poll. Puts him in both an enviable and unenviable enviable position. I mean, on one hand, you've got a fan base that's been really apathetic, the most apathetic I've seen them in 20 years. But on the other hand, uh, in Colorado, you know, the expectations are really low, and so you can surprise some people and kind of be a spoiler. There's really only one way for the offense to go, and, and that's up. They finished 129th out of 100, 130 FBS programs in total offense last year. So. That led to the firing of Darren Chevrolet, who ran a really simple, obvious, easy-to-game plan against offense. You bring in Mike Sanford as the new OC, runs a more complex offense. And so on one hand, that's great. It's going to be tough for other teams to game plan for. On the other hand, it's going to be more complex for these players to pick up. And so that's the question, you know, can these players on offense get this offense down by the time they kick off against TCU on September 2nd? At quarterback... JT Shrout is back from a torn ACL that he suffered last year. He was in the lead to win the quarterback job last year when he suffered that injury. This year, fast forward a year, Brennan Lewis is in the lead because JT Shroud is still trying to get his timing back. And Brennan Lewis has gained a lot of confidence based on not his performance last year, but that experience in really better understanding defenses and, and the timing aspect of everything. And so he was a tough kid last year. And it would have been easy for him to have some PTSD playing. He had a really bad offensive line. Uh, that's another group where the O-line simply can't play as bad as, bad as they did last year. They were basically a turnstile. Um, and, and they bring back some guys that were banged up last year that are, that are healthier at least here in early August. You see the Jordan Tyson, Jordan Tyson uh, from Allen, Texas, is trying to put up buzz this preseason, probably the most buzz any freshman in Colorado has garnered in about a dozen years since Paul Richardson came. And defensively, the Buffs have gone from a 3-4 base to more of a 4-down look. It made sense for the defensive lineman to kind of you know, take on blockers and allow Nate Landon to be the star of the show in recent years. But Landon's now with the Atlanta Falcons. And so with this new 4-down front, I think you're going to see defensive linemen like Terrence Lang and Jalen Sami, who were both named honorable mention preseason all-conference. Those guys should see more playmaking opportunities in this new scheme. That's it for now. Signing off from Boulder. He, he, he wrapped that up well. I like he, it. He crushed it. Uh, 129th in total offense. That's not good. <laughs> that was that was, uh, that was one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my entire life. It was so bad. Like the no truck stop guys were on like yard watch, like trying to get to hundred. I think we've probably talked about too much. Can they get to triple digits in in yards? You know, like yeah, they broke the hundred yard barrier. Yay! 
you know, yeah. things like that, like so bad. But pick last in the media poll. Um, change it up to defense. I don't know. It's. I think they're going to stink. <laughs> they're going to be really bad. They're going to be pewy, pew, pew, yeah, pew. It's not good. I'm sorry, Colorado. Uh, um, I, I, you could maybe squint and find three wins here, I think. Squint hard. <laughs> if you squint super hard, I think you can find three wins. Like, say Arizona's a lot worse than we're thinking. Say they beat ASU at home. And then... Okay, maybe if you squint hard, you can see two wins on here. It's not easy. Um, it's actually a tough-ass schedule, too. It's You're not getting a requisite FCS program. You've got TCU and Minnesota and Air Force on the road. I think it's on the road. It might be a neutral site. But that's not great. No. Um, yeah, like there's a few things that when I'm going to do my season previews and we, we do, we'll do our picks like the week before we pick all the games and everything. Like last year, I was sort of like feast or famine. Like I had Oregon winning Sorry, too I, many. I've got to make a point. Yeah. 0 for 12 is possible here. You think so? Yeah. We could do a. Uh, yeah. What was it? Washington did it, right? Yeah. yeah. Ty, Ty Willingham. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, Willingham. Willingham, sorry, not Whittingham. Whittingham's the good one. He's the good one. <laughs> Willingham, the bad one. T- Tile Whittingham. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know about that, but holy crap. I think they're going to be bad. Terrible. And there was optimism at Pac-12 Media Day. Yeah, there always is. They're gonna be, but they're going to be bad. Hope springs eternal in the human brace. Yeah. When when a lot Braced. of you... Like, but like, when I'm looking at these previews, you're going to be like, I'm not going to... You know, some people were talking about Arizona State maybe being a bowl team. I think they're going to be bad. Uh, when you look at, like, who are their best players? Like, oh, they all left and they're, like, still in the conference? Like, oh. You know, like, Colorado has, like, a couple defensive backs, like, on the all-pack 12 team. But they're not for their team anymore. They're for yeah. other teams, you know? Things like that. You're like, yeah, that's probably bad. Like, that's just – it's sort of just like reading the tea. There's like, that's not a good sign. Like, usually you don't see, like, oh, a bunch of their best players left. Yeah, they'll get better. <laughs> Like it's not like they graduated. Oh, 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 the the returning quarterback who was terrible last year is leading the competition this this fall. Right, not so great. No, they're just like certain <laughs> things. You're just like if you don't know anything about this, you're like, oh, that guy. Oh, he he seems promising, and he's now playing for this other team in the same conference that you're going to play. <laughs> no, like I, I'm just thinking in general, that's probably bad. So they're going to suck. Oh, their 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 really star wide receiver and offensive playmaker has gone to another school in the league to be a fifth receiver in their rotation. <laughs> oh, that's probably not great. <laughs> yeah, but that like this year is going to be. I think last year I had too much feast and famine, but there was a there was plenty of both. Um, I just thought like some of the other teams would would win a bunch more games. I think there's going to be like three, four teams that just really suck. It's going to be hard to pick. Like when they play each other, those are the only wins I'm going to predict. And then there's going to be like a Utah and some other, you know. Yeah, but unfortunately for Colorado, they don't play Stanford this year. Right. That's the other part. The schedule's not super great. Um, And then there'll be some, but I think there's going to be more middle this year. Like, you know, could Cal make a bowl game? You know, they they could have won last year. Um you know, and, and it's, there's some interesting teams, but I'm not going to, I'm not thinking there's a whole bunch of teams outside of Utah that are going to like kill. Like USC has the potential. UCLA has the potential. Um, I'm probably not going to be super high on Oregon this year. Like I, I think they'll be good, but like, you know, there's the Bo Nix thing. There's like, you know, defensive. No Bix. Coach. Yeah. No Bix. 
Land Denning. Um, yeah, sorry. We love. I mean, I love Ralphie. Ralphie's gonna be bigger this year. Like we had the baby Ralphie last year. She was small. We love Adam. Adam's like one of the greatest dudes in this industry. He's awesome. And like the fact he's, he's the Ralphie of the two four seven sports right. And if he's got to cover this pile of crap, <laughs> it's just you feel bad. I want to give Adam a better program to cover. I think he has the best. Like as the intros go for we got Colorado Buffalo. It's really good. I mean that kicks ass. It's really good. Let's um, just listen to that instead of recapping Colorado <laughs> games this year. Let's just listen to that just over, and over. Like over and over. <laughs> okay, next up, we're gonna preview Oregon State Beavers. Angie Machado. Sometimes she sends one of her underlings. She did this, did this one herself. You know, great one. Because I mean, she's got an empire up there now. That's true. They, you know, I think she's helping with the. The you know the research stadium thing mm-hmm. no not she's not but you know maybe uh, she's just she's a big wig up there I get it in Corvallis so let's put, let's listen to what she has to say this is Angie Machado with BeaverBlitz.com, the twenty four seven site covering Oregon State Oregon State has is wrapping up their final or first week of fall camp and really it's been pretty uneventful uh, the Beavers really have no injuries to speak of everyone is. Um, healthy and and running. Quarterback looks to be Chance Nolan, uh, the clear favorite. Uh, Tristan Jebbia is back and healthy. However, he is battling for the number two spot with Ben Goldbranson. The Beavers actually are the deepest at running back with four guys in the top um, of that battle, including true freshman Damian Martinez, who is definitely a player to watch. But you can't count Deshaun Fenwick out. He was a transfer from South Carolina Jam Griffin, a transfer from Georgia Tech, and then Trey Lowe, who offers that receiving element as well out of the backfield for the Beavers. Tied in, the Beavers have lost uh, Tegan Quatoriano, but returned Luke Musgrave, who really looks to kind of be the clear number one starter, but also bring in Jake Overman and JT Byrne, who look to add round out that depth. Offensive line still looks strong, and if there was a question for Oregon State this year on offense, it's that wide receiver. Depth is a little questionable. They still have a lot of speed, but nobody that has really proven that they can gain separation in the secondary. Speaking of secondaries, Oregon State secondary this year could be the strength of the team. There's technically about six to eight guys who could actually run with the ones and twos and could could actually be playing significant minutes for that group. Um, a very strong group led by Rajon Wright, Jaden Grant. Uh, there's a couple other guys, Achille Arnold. Alex Austin, all in the mix, um, and all kind of in the in the. We'll, we'll see pl- plenty of playing time. Linebacker, the Beavs did lose Avery Roberts in the middle, but return Omar Spate. And outside linebacker, I'm, I'm excited to see John McCartan return. He was out all of last season with a hamstring injury. Uh, he brings some length to that outside linebacker position as the Beavers really look to help the defensive line and getting kind of creating a pass rush they haven't seen in, in a few years. Our defensive line looks to be pretty similar to what we've seen in the past. Really still no huge addition at defensive tackle. However, several guys that are serviceable there, and like I said, with the experience in the, the linebacker cores, I, I think it, the defense should be okay. And like I said, the secondary is that kind of the top group. This is a, a group in Corvallis that has the highest expectations that we've seen in years, maybe even more than a decade. Coach Smith actually feels, I think, that this is a veteran group that can actually maybe su- surprise some people. 
and uh, be in contention there for the Pac-12 North. This is his fifth season coming into to campus or to, to camp, and um, this is the most veteran. And unfortunately, Angie got cut off too. So um, we should probably warn them next time that they only got three minutes. I think I but might it, have. Oh, I don't whatever. know. Whatever. Uh, I put three minutes in the email, but you now thanks to all of them for doing that. We just kind of get a little, it's a little cut off at the end. That's all right. Um, deep at running back. I mean, duh. So d- gonna- if you remember Angie, uh, like three or four years ago when BJ Baylor, I think was a freshman, she was like, Hey, you've got these other guys who are ahead, but watch out for BJ Baylor. He's going to be really good. Pay attention when Angie starts talking about running backs. <laughs> That's what I've learned. So uh, I'm thinking Oregon State's going to reload, be pretty awesome at running back this year. They're, you knew that was going to happen. Yes. Right. They, like, they're going to run the football. Curious to see what, you know, they got some key games. You know, USC comes up there like week four. Um, I, I mean, you know, they have to, I think, play Utah on the road this year, right? Like they, uh, yeah, it's Utah on the road because they had, they got the Utes, uh, in Corvallis. Um, but they get to play Stanford. They do get to play Stanford. Uh, I, I mean, but like they'll be favored against Stanford, they'll be favored against Cal. They get to play Colorado. Yeah. Favored in that game. I mean, I, this is like a, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If, if Oregon's not like some world beater, and we've seen Oregon State be Oregon, like it's not like that that big of a deal. But if they're not some world beater, why can't Oregon State win the, you know, the North doesn't matter, but be the best, you know, have the best record in the North. Well, how does USC typically do in Corvallis? <laughs> yeah, not well. I mean, there was, <laughs> I think it was 60 years they didn't lose at all. <laughs> and then they, 2000 lost when uh, the Fiesta Bowl team. Uh, but they've had some losses up there since then. Yeah, too. They, they certainly have. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, they've got Boise State at home, Fresno State on the road. I think if if they can somehow skate out of that with two and zero, then you're you're cooking with gas. Yeah. Because that's going to be two tough games. I mean, Boise State traditional now Mountain West power, and Fresno State on the road is no that's no cup of tea. I mean, that's uh, no that's a good environment. That's a really good environment. Um, and then Montana State at home. If they can somehow get an on-conference 3-0, and they're going to have some real momentum going into the season. And then it's USC at home, which is going to be a tough game no matter how you You get that it. win, that could be a springboard. For but, the home. but that's the thing. If, even if you get through those first five games, as long as you're still 3-2, and two, you know, Utah and USC, maybe those are losses. But if you're 3-2 and two at that point, you, can, you could really make a run at that point because you get Stanford on the road, Washington State at home, Colorado at home, Washington on the road, might be the toughest game in this bunch, and I don't know if that will be. Cal at home, Arizona State on the road, and then it's Oregon. Like they could at home, go, right? Like yeah, they, they, they could go three and two, and then finish the year on a six and one or seven and zero oh stretch. Pretty, yeah, it'd be pretty impressive. You yeah, know? Um, yeah. So high on Oregon State this year. Not sure what I'm going to predict win loss wise, but there's, I think there's some key moments that have to kind of go their way. Yeah, those first. Um, I think those first two games are going to be essential. Yeah, um, I feel you know we do have a little bit of. Uh, oops, sorry, not that, not that either. Where's my thing? There it is. Breaking news. So as we said early on in the show, don't expect any kind of conference realignment to happen while we're recording. Can you believe this? Oregon to the Big Ten. Okay, not the program. <laughs> But the president, <laughs> Michael Schill, the president of the University of Oregon, is now the president at 
Northwestern. Wow. So he's going to the Big Ten. Wow. Uh, he was the chair of the board, the Pac-12 CEO board. So he gone. Um, James Crest. Wait, wait, no, he was the former head, wasn't he? Then they changed. He was. That this year? Oh, I think they did change it. Yeah. Uh, I'm keeping abreast of the Pac-12 bullshit news better than you are. Um, uh, James Crepa. I, I I've met him before. I believe that he's with the Oregonian. Um, he's been covering the university for a while. He said, I cannot emphasize how tremendous this is for Oregon sports fans. So maybe this is helpful. Um, well, I heard that guy was a little bit of a <clears throat> shill. Ah, very nice. Uh, Canzano has a column up already. Um, he said, he talked to shill and he says, it's a great university and closer to my family. Um, so Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what's going on there. But yeah, Oregon's not Oregon, but Oregon's president is going to the Big Ten. So I thought I would uh, pass that along. Thank you, Ryan. Did you see that? Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, Last voicemail preview we have. Washington Huskies. (laughs) Chris Fetters called in. Now we got Chris got cut off, but he called back. So we got we got a little extra on the University of Washington. And we, you know, new coaching staff. We want to hear what's going on up there. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's play what Chris had to say. So there'll be a little cut in the middle, but I'll play the second part of it, and he kind of catches back up. So here we go. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, covering the University of Washington for the twenty four seven Sports Network. Uh, here to call in and uh, give everyone a quick update on what's going on up here in the Great Pacific Northwest, especially with regards to Washington football. Obviously, brand-new regime. Out is Jimmy Lake. In is Kalen DeBoer and his new staff. Uh, completely different offense. Uh, similar defense in terms of personnel. But instead of a, kind of a corner safety hybrid nickel, it's going to be more of a safety linebacker hybrid nickel called the Husky, ironically enough, which is what the, uh, the guys on defense – who Kalen DeBoer brought up from Fresno State, William Inge and uh, Chuck Morrell, actually called their nickel player down in Fresno. So ironically enough, the Husky player is now going to be playing at Husky Stadium. Offensively, everyone's going to want to know about the the quarterback battle. Um, Michael Penix Jr., who came in from Indiana after being a three-year starter, it sure feels like he's winning the quarterback battle. They haven't named anybody yet as the starter. It feels like he's edged ahead of Dylan Morris and Sam Heward. Uh, but obviously that, that process is still ongoing. Uh, I'm calling you after Washington's sixth practice of fall camp, the actual first one in fall pads. And unfortunately it was a great practice until they were doing some red zone work and the um, offensive lineman, Ulamulu Ale, who got moved to defensive tackle, got injured. And so it's kind of been the first real dark cloud or damper that's been uh, at Washington's fall camp, and that's kind of disappointing. Um, we don't get a chance to talk to Kalen DeBoer for a few more days, so we won't know the latest on uh, Ale's status, whether he's going to be available for the season opener against Kent State on September 3rd. Um, but either way, that's kind of been the first significant injury news of camp. Um, going back to offense, the running backs have been 
very much uh, a kind of a, a profile and change. They were very deep uh, under Jimmy Lake and John Donovan, but they've been completely revamped under new running backs coach Lee Marks and the offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb. They brought in a handful of transfers. They brought in Aaron Dumas from New Mexico before spring football. And then uh, right in the middle of spring football, they also secured the signatures of two other transfers, Wayne Talapapa from Virginia and Will Nixon from Nebraska. And so they came in for fall camp, and they got a bunch of carries to start off fall camp. Um, but now they're starting to even things out where Dumas is. The Huskies uh, have already had a plethora of, of receivers that they've got available to them. So that shouldn't be a problem for their offense, starting with Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunsey, Giles Jackson, Jalen Polk, Taj Davis, and then they had Junior Alexander from Arizona State coming back home. So uh, they should be in good shape there. You know, offensive line is going to be a big question mark, but they got a big piece back in Jackson Kirkland at left tackle. So we'll see what Scott Huff can get out of those guys. But, again, running a totally different scheme, different philosophy than what Jimmy Lake and John Donovan tried to run last year. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, Devin Culp, Jack Westover, those are the main guys to know about at the tight end position with also Quentin Moore. Moving to defense, um, you know, again, Ale's injury is a, is a big missing piece right now. Don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, Tuli, Latui Gasanoa, uh, Kwape Hopa, Voit Tanufi, uh, Fatui Tuatele, Jacob Bandis, those are the names that you need to know on, on the front there. Uh, the edge players have been getting raves from uh, DeBoer all, uh, all fall camp, starting with Zion Tupola Fatui, as well as Jeremiah Martin, Savelle Smalls, and Braylon Trice. Those are the guys to know. Uh, inside, we're talking about new transfers in Cam Bright from Pittsburgh, and also Chris Mole from uh, UAB just came in this fall. He's starting to make an impact as well as the guys that were already here, like Alfonso Tupatala, Carson Bruner, and Daniel Hamuli. And then out in the, in the secondary, they're having to obviously replace Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. Uh, Jordan Perryman from UC Davis transfer, he came in the spring, already made an impact. He should be one of the starting corners, as well as on the other side, former walk-on from O'Day, Mish Powell. He should be on the other side. And then safeties, they've got a bunch of veteran guys like Alex Cook, Asa Turner, uh, Julius Irvin, Cameron Williams. Those are going to be the main guys to know there. And then they have that new Husky position I was talking about, Dominique Campton and Cam uh, Fabiculanen. Those are the main guys to know there. Special teams, Peyton Henry comes back, multi-year starter. He should be a stalwart there. And they're bringing in a new punter in Idaho State transfer, Kevin Ryan. So that will give you a basic preview of who to look for and the names to look for as we go through fall camp here uh, up at Seattle at the University of Washington. All right. Fetter's doing his thing on the University of Washington. I mean, I think – I guess they haven't announced it yet, but, like, Michael Penix is going to be the starting quarterback, right? Like Penix, right? I thought it was Penix. I think it's Penix. Really? I've heard most people say Penix, but – Michael Penix. You, you just you just like that, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, he had you know obviously Indiana connection with Kalen DeBoer and all this. This is stuff. my problem with the uh, Illinois basketball player Kofi. Uh, what they keep calling Coburn? Um, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. His name is Cockburn. 
His name is Cockburn. I couldn't even get it out. Just be brave enough to go by Cockburn. Be brave enough to go by Penix. Okay? Okay. You are like, yeah, I like how you rename people in the conference. There's, you do a good job of that. Michael Penix. I don't always agree. Like, I love Land Danning. Like, it's, you know, Land Danning is great. The fact that people like, talk like, oh, now I say Land Danning instead of Dan Landing, and <laughs> it actually screws them up is really nice. I like that. Uh, yeah. Well, Washington, I think um, they've, they've set up for a decent enough uh, schedule. In year one, I mean, they've got Kent State and Portland State at home as their first two games. So if they're not 2-0, something's gone horribly, horribly wrong. Michigan State will be tough. Um, but there's, you know, there's a good ramp up to the season. I mean, they get Stanford at home in their fourth game. Um, they get Wash- They get Arizona State in their sixth game. So, I mean, 4-2 and two easy in the first six games and could be 5-1. and one. Yeah. It's... I don't think it's the hardest schedule in the world. Obviously, getting uh, you know not the not a daunting out of conference schedule. Get some momentum. Could be a team that's like, you know, do you think they go eight and four? Like they, this was yeah. a four and eight team, right? Were they four and eight last year? Something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I I'm, I think they're gonna be pretty good. Uh, I think the offense is gonna be so much more competent. Like you bring in you now, you know, they lose a bunch in the secondary. You know, there's there's some losses for sure. You don't want the defense taking a huge step back because it was pretty good, but the offense was was yep. off, god awful, right? Caleb DeBoer is going to make the offense fun, and I think you get a fun offense, score some points. That you're going to get some wins. You're just going to win some games because you're competent on offense, and you know they're going to go from incompetent to competent. Like Colorado was incompetent on offense and probably going to continue to be incompetent on offense. Washington's going to go and become much more competent, and you're like, oh, that's going to you know get some more wins. It's it's weird how that works. It is strange. Uh, why don't we go to USC Trojans? I'll save you for last. Thank um, you. Let me call on the voicemail line and uh, give you what's going on here. All right. Lincoln Riley said, of course, Lincoln Riley's a new head coach. No more Clay Helton, unfortunately, for David. So sad. It's a very sad uh, moment. We haven't seen a roster turnover like this. Ever, I mean, he talked about being the most unique roster in college football history. It's one of the rare roster turnovers, however, that will not lower expectations but raise them. Hundred percent raise them. Um, there's they came in at the, the AP poll at number fifteen, not the AP poll, the coaches poll at number fifteen. Seems about right, but you know, to go from four and eight to be ranked at top fifteen is a big jump. But I talked about the competency. Literally, just everything around the program is done in a more competent way. From nutrition, the weight training, like everything around it is just, oh, you have someone that's that's done this before, that's won games and knows what it takes to win. Maybe from learning from a Bob Stoops when you came in and taken that over is definitely different. Taking over an Oklahoma program that was rolling and making it great versus taking over a pile of, you know, a stinking trash pile that you have to turn into greatness. Yeah, it reminds me of another coach um, who entered the league a little bit ago. He learned under a, a great head coach um, who built a program uh, basically from the ground up um, up at Oregon and then inherited it and turned it into this just absolute bulldozer of a program, uh, made it to a national championship game, lost like seven games in four years. Yeah. Uh, so it really reminds me of that guy. And what you're talking about, like nutrition and how everything's like kind of a professional atmosphere where they're really trying to focus on a lot of different things. It just, you know, just sparked some memories for me. 
Right. Well, I would say if that guy who got to the top of the college football world then left for like eight years or whatever it was, how, mm-hmm. how many years was he gone? Uh, uh, this hypothetical guy? The hypothetical guy. Like. It, uh, he left and uh, helped to revolutionize the NFL and actually um, built one of the teams that uh, then won the Right, right. Uh, Super Bowl. But how long, later. what was the time between the, having a one program at the top of the world to the going back to the college hypothetically? Like, I mean, hypothetically, it might have been six years. Okay, yeah. Um, so that that's something versus mm-hmm. moving over like the next day as soon as your season ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, less time off. But anyway, the, the roster's a lot different. More superstars added on the offensive side than defensive side. Most, if you so, hear someone that doesn't know what they're talking about, about USC, like both lines suck. The offensive line has three guys in the, you know, that they've been there. They're all there like five or six years. Like I just read yesterday that Andrew Voorhees is a freak. He's one of the freaks. Um, but they, you know, they should be fine. The offensive line, they're not very deep. If they get a couple injuries, um, you know, that would be bad. But, you know, if you watched the Alamo Bowl last year involving a Pac-12 team, two best players in the Alamo Bowl are on USC's roster. Now, neither of them were on USC last year. Caleb Williams from Oklahoma and Travis Dye from Oregon. They're both playing for USC now. It's pretty weird, but there's a stat for you. Um, you know, they got Austin Jones, the running back from. They're not very deep at running back, but they should be good. I like Raylick Brown, the the guy coming in. Their wide receiver core is crazy. They added the Blitnikoff Award winner, Jordan Addison. Um, but I like Mario Williams a lot. Um, Brendan Rice from Colorado comes in. Terrell Bynum, who is a real leader for Washington, he's on the roster. And then guys that you know from last year, like a Kyle Ford, who's been out for a while, former five star. They're really good at wide receiver, and a Caleb Williams is like ridiculous. So they should be fine. They're going to score points. They'll be fine on offense. I think the question is going to be on the defensive side. Um, I mean, they had a guy like Shane Lee and Romello Height from Auburn. I mean, Alabama and Auburn. And, you know, Shane Lee was a freshman All-American, but he hadn't done much the last couple of years. Romello Height got pressures, but he never, like, got sacks. But those guys look like SEC dudes, and they've come in and just been, like, really good on USC. Now, if they're, like, okay guys in the SEC and they come to USC and become stars— what does that say? Well, the Pac-12 is probably not as good as the SEC, but I think they're looking for you know those guys to make some uh, huge strides. So I, I don't think they're going to be as deep. Tuli Tupelotu on the defensive line is a stud. He'll be a all Pac-12 kind of guy. Um, you know, I love Kalen Bullock, the safety. He's a lot. They used to call him Sticks. I guess they call him Two Sticks now. He's a lot bigger, but he's wearing number seven. He's he's an absolute just he's a beast out there. They have pretty good pieces. It depends on how Alex Grinch kind of puts them together and makes this defense that was historically bad. They were in the hundreds of like points per drive last year. So I think the defense can be a lot better. If they're, if they're really good, if they're pretty good on defense, I think they can do a lot. If they're just like sort of meh, which is a, an improvement over last year's defense, then, you know, they, but they could probably sleepwalk to an eight and four season just with the roster. Um, so if I they sleepwalk to an eight and four season, will Lincoln Riley be on the hot seat? Next no, he's year? not going to be on the hot seat. You go from four and eight to eight and four, like, and you know, there's some USC fans that USC are saying, fans chime in. Is Ryan correct? <laughs> yeah, eight and four, you're not in the hot seat. Like that's a it, it, is Lincoln Riley going to be on your hot seat if he goes eight and four this year? It also depends on how they look. But there, there's some USC fans that are like, really, this wasn't a four and eight team. If they didn't fire Clay Helton, they probably went six games or something. The one thing I would push back. Is he got fired after losing to Stanford in week two? So there was not like this was Stanford. This was week two. 
Like would 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 Clay Helton have gone better than four and eight? I thought that they would, but then when you think about like Stanford was awful and pushed USC around. So um, does USC have a chance of losing to a staple food food group for two billion people in the opener? No, like no. You don't think rice? No, rice is awful. They're just a terrible team. Rice is fine. It's just a little bland. I, I mean, I like eating rice. Uh, playing football against rice, I don't think it's going to be. You don't think that'll be a challenge? No, I don't think there's going to be a challenge okay. there. Todd, uh, Todd Graham's not coaching there anymore, right? You got Fresno State, you know, new coach. Todd Graham's not there anymore. Uh, I know he wasn't there before. Um, he hasn't been there in 15 years. But, you know, big ones, you, you play on the road at Oregon State, who didn't lose in Corvallis last year. They beat Utah last year. So that's going to be tough, you know. And then you play at Utah in October. Um, I think if any team could take advantage of this no division thing, it might be like a USC or a UCLA because if the three best teams in the conference end up being in the South, then, you know, both two of them can make it to the championship game. Oregon can have something to say about that. Washington, Oregon State. Um, but I, I feel like the power is more in the South than the North this year. So it's, it's set up pretty well for Lincoln Riley. But I, you know, I talked to people at practice this week and they're like, yeah, you win the offseason, but the proofs in the pudding, they know they got to go out and try and win. So we'll see. We'll see what they look like. But uh, I'm not usually a super like optimistic guy on USC football. I'm pretty optimistic this year. Just looking around, looking around the conference, looking around this team, like they're just doing this a lot well, different than so, we did before. All right. Well, looking at like again what that one guy did. Um, what's uh, <laughs> what's Lincoln Riley's like? What's the tight end group looking like? Can he get four of them out there on the field at once? <laughs> they have a they have a good group of tight ends. Yeah. Um, I like uh, Malcolm Epps, the Texas transfer. Josh Fall has been around forever. Are they going to run a lot of fourteen personnel? Um, they're going to try for some five personnel he's had okay so he's used the tight when they've had a stud tight end Riley's used tight ends you know he's had a thousand yard rusher I think four of the five years at Oklahoma mm-hmm. so this isn't like a Graham Harrell offense you know this is a completely different there's not an air raid kind of thing um, but they have enough they have enough weapons that they can pretty much do what they want cool great yeah I know it makes you happy but excited to see what it looks uh, like. we'll see we'll see I'm, I'm curious to see what goes on but I've I'm leaning towards it's going to be a really good good year for them, uh, just from what I've seen and 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 watched. And and you kind of realize like when people aren't really good at their jobs, you're like, holy cow, what kind of impact that has on like everything? Yeah, <laughs> like us here at the yeah, podcast. People say that about me all the time. <laughs> all right, and last one. Let's do the UCLA Bruins. Fresh off a contract extension. Hell yeah, baby. Chip Kelly, hypothetically. UCLA plays another football season this year. Hallelujah. Um, The Bruins, so on offense, uh, the situation is, you know, the really limited understanding of it will be, oh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's back, Zach Charbonnet's back. They're going to be good. And those two guys are going to be good. Um, The question mark is up front on the offensive line. Uh, The starting group might be okay. Uh, they've got uh, Raekwon O'Neal, a transfer from Rutgers, who is an honorable mention Big Ten guy. He's more than likely going to start at left tackle. The interior of the offensive line is fine. Right tackle is a little bit more of a question mark. Garrett DiGiorgio played two games last year. He's probably going to start there. Uh, it's just no depth. Uh, basically none. Um, they it, brought a guy to Pac-12 Media Day, right? Yeah, John Gaines. He'll be one of the starters in the interior. Yeah. Uh, there's not a ton of depth. Um, Sam Marazzo is coming back, um, but he's more of a true center than even a guy who can play a ton of guard. Um, but he'll probably have to play guard. 
uh, as a backup, but it's just, I don't think they have a really good top eight and they play eight linemen typically like they're rotating guys in throughout the games. So offensive line could be an issue if there's even two injuries. Um, and one injury is going to, going to drop them down a significant level. Uh, at receiver, they're bringing in uh, transfer and Jake Bobo, who's probably he's not taking over position wise for Kyle Phillips, um, the former slot receiver who was really good, but he is going to take over that production. Uh, they're just going to they'll probably throw it outside more than they did uh, when Phillips was on the roster. He was a 74 catch guy at Duke, I think. Okay. Um, so he'll take over. He looks pretty good. Tight end, uh, even without Greg Dulcich, they've got a whole slew of just these six 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 seven six eight guys that they stamp out of a mill um chip <laughs> kelly's got a great cloning program working at ucla um they'll all be on the field at once right yes like, that's yes, what you're referring yeah, to yes, before. Yes, yes, yes yeah yeah there's going to be a lot of personnel where tight ends are actually playing quarterback so that they can get six <laughs> on there um so it's gonna be great um you can use both tackles yeah both tackles would be tight ends yeah, no. Uh, it, what if you? It's like uh, what if you made the entire airplane out of the black box? What if you made the entire team out of the tight ends? Um, so yeah, there's there's a whole slew of tight ends who will be good. Um, defensively is the kind of the same as uh, USC. I mean, I think UCLA is going to have a pretty good offense. Um, it's just a question of whether it'll be quite as good as last year when it was top ten ish. Um, defensively it's just you know that's been the question mark throughout the chip kelly era is it's been ass for four years well, they, they got rid of the defensive coordinator right jerry as out Outs- um, they, i'm sure they went outside the program and found somebody that's really good at they went coaching. they went and picked up bill mcgovern who i think i think generously you would describe him as an nfl lifer um okay. but he's he, he was like a position. proven though proven college defensive coordinator I-, <laughs> I mean he's called a lot of college games right like, uh yeah, so he was a defensive coordinator uh, most recently. Let me see if I can get the dates right. Most recently with Boston College, 2009 to 2012. Okay. And you remember those famous Boston College defenses from 2009 to 2012, right? They were really good, yeah. He's like a career positions coach. Um, Chip Kelly had familiarity with him uh, from the NFL. Um, he's a uh, he's going to bring in – it's going to be more of a 4-3 defense, um, which will function actually as a 4-2-5 because most of the time teams are running nickel these days. Um, I think it works out that it's a better fit for the personnel they have than what would have been the case under Azanero, but I think that's more of just a luck thing. Like they, He wants to do a 4-3 because that's what he does. Oh. Um, and they brought in a couple why, of why, – Why do whatever the personnel dictates? Like, well, I don't, you know, I, I, do what you like. I, I don't want to expect it. Maybe they did do it for the <laughs> – but I think they wanted to be a 4-3 team. Because they hired him before they got some of the transfers that made sense. But the Murphy twins, um, they came in from North Texas. They're going to be um, – they're probably going to provide UCLA the best edge rush they've had since probably to Karis McKinley. Um, so that will be good. Um, they haven't had much of an edge rush in a while. Um, Darius Moussao is a transfer in from Hawaii. Uh, he'll play middle linebacker. Um, secondary is probably a question. Um, they're counting on Devin Kirkwood really stepping up from being a true freshman last year to being basically a lockdown corner this year. Safety play has been kind of shaky for years. Uh, Stephen Blaylock returns. Hopefully he's you know ready to kind of play like an experienced fifth-year guy. Um, but it's not a deep group, the defensive backs. Um, so overall, I would say the defense is probably going to be a little bit better just because they're going to get pass rush um out of their base defense for the first time in five years um okay and linebacker play should be improved with Darius Musau 
but it's still it's not going to be a super innovative scheme. Um, I don't think this is going to suddenly jump up to being a top 40 group. Uh, but that's the key. If they can jump up into that sort of range, then this team could be good enough to compete for the Pac-12. But it's going to require that defense going from, you know, bottom 40 to top 40 in yeah. college football. And that's that's a huge leap. Yeah, I think I think USC is similar. Um, but there's eight games. Left. I mean, I'm not joking about like extend Chip Kelly, but like this is not on a hard schedule. Like, so it sets this up this is like it sets up for a narrative that it, Chip Kelly has really turned this thing around because they went eight and four last year. Like nine and three is they very, only they lost to the only four good teams they played, but <laughs> they went eight and four last year. And this year, if you just translated last year's team to this year's schedule, they would go nine and three with absolutely no issue. And so this year's team, they just need to be as good as last year to go nine and three. Right. Um and it's easy to see it. I mean, it's Bowling Green, Alabama State, and South Alabama in the non-conference. If you, if even one of those teams is within three touchdowns of UCLA, that would be a loss. Okay. Uh, then it's not at, technically, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's at Colorado and Washington at home. I mean, Washington could be trouble. Um, Colorado probably won't be. It could easily be five and zero at that point. Um, and then it's Utah at home. Say that's a loss. Oregon on the road. Say that's a loss. But then it's Stanford at home, Arizona State on the road, Arizona at home, uh, and then let's skip over USC for now, but it's Cal on the road. Yeah. Those should all be wins. Um, so really, it's it's one of, if they can beat one of Utah, Oregon, or USC, then they'll be 10-2. and two. Um, If you just look at the, like, they're going to be reasonable favorites in every single game that I'm counting as a win. Yeah, I mean, I think like the Washington game could be, you know, I don't think they're going to be seven point favorites at minimum. In I, that game. I would think so. Yeah. Um, the but, Col- you know, Washington might be pretty good, but they like, might be pretty good. But I, I'm just like they're going to be considerable favorites. But they're every- not going to lose to Colorado. They're not going to lose to Arizona. They're not going to lose to Arizona State. Like, you know, there's yeah. like they're not going to lose to Stanford at home. And you're not going to lose to Cal. Yeah. You're, um, you're not losing to Colorado on the road. And you like, got three. Like it's just. Uh, look, and I, this isn't even me. And if being, they do, that's a problem. Like, if they yeah. do, that's probably good for you because you don't want Kelly to be there. <laughs> right. Like, if they lose to some of those teams, like, if they uh, Stanford gets them again, you're like, oh. Well, like, that's what I wanted to make the point. This isn't me homering because, like, I've got real <laughs> conflicted opinions about this. But uh, it's not hard to squint and see 10 and 2 here. Um, and so that's where it just, it's, you know, they're obviously not. I think anything 8 and 4 or above, they're not going to make a change off of. Um, because, no. uh, the narrative would be bad. Like it just wouldn't be a good narrative. You went eight and four, two years in a row and you're firing the guy who got you back to being above 500 in a bowl team. And then if you don't, if you're not getting rid of him after 2022, can you do it after 2023? You can because 2023 is going to be a reload, rebuild, complete from the ground up. Because but then do you want a new coach going into the con- – like, that's, that's, the that's a rough one. Do you want a new coach going in or do you want a new coach after year one where you get smacked? Or like a good excuse to, I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. It's it's a tricky situation. Um, I think just sign the extension. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Stability. Um, but they will have money to get out of whatever they put themselves right. into. So even um, more than you thought. Anyway, I think for UCLA fans, generally speaking, narrow your focus to just this season. They they're going to win a lot of games. It should be fun. Have fun. It, it should be fun. Go uh, the freaking Rose Bowl. And the thing enjoy is, it. if it's not fun, like if they do lose. That's going to be fun and weird in its own way. True. Like if they have a shitty season with this schedule, 
it's going to create some of that disaster narrative stuff. Like there's going to be airplanes flying banners. Like it's going to be all that fun stuff again. I should I shouldn't say it's going to be fun. Like I think Chip Kelly is going to try to make it less fun, but it should because you're winning games. It should be some funness there. But yeah, you would think so. But they, you know they might have the but six tight end. Kelly. The six tight end package might yeah, come yeah. out. And yeah, then... yeah. Well, it, it's experiments. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's all the science experiment. All right. Uh, well, that's our previews for this week. We'll finish them up next week. Let's take another quick break, and we'll be back uh, with questions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. We've gone so long. We're already like hour and 20 minutes and we've got a whole bunch of questions to get to. So we'll try to we'll try to go through them fairly quickly. But we haven't we didn't show last week. So we sort of need to like, yeah, you know, kind of double up. But let's uh, let's go to voicemail from one of our buddies. Well, well, well. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Sith Lord Dave. That's right. It's me, resident Stanford fan. It's 2025. I'm scrolling through Hulu Plus Supreme Plus, which for $18.99 a month gives me all the same basic trash it always has, but does produce a four-dimensional hologram of my favorite college mascot, the Stanford tree, whenever I make a selection. Alas, I digress. I'm scrolling through and I see a new series, a Hulu exclusive, a Hulu Plus Supreme Plus exclusive called The Demise of the Pac-12. It's a series. It focuses on two intrepid podcasters who have broken the story, the entire story of what really happened to the, uh, the <laughs> Conference of Champions. Questions. Who plays each of you in this series? Who plays Larry Scott, of course, our antagonist? And what are the best candidates for a B-plot during the, uh, the series? Or what are some of the B-plots? Keep it mediocre, boys. All right. All right. So, you're, what's his name, by the way? Like, do we does he have a name? I, the I just Zodiac call him, Killer. The Zodiac Killer. Yeah, I just call him Sith Lord, but he calls you the Sith Lord. Like, he's like, you know, he's the Zodiac Killer. He's a Zodiac Killer, Stanford fan. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you, hopefully, I can meet him. I'm going to be at the USC Stanford game. There you go. RJ Abadia, like he's. I told you this before. He has like this crazy hookup. Like some billionaire Stanford person yeah, has yeah. this amazing tailgate. I'm like, I am definitely going to that. So, Zodiac Killer, I want to meet you there. So you're Jerry Seinfeld. I that that's probably yeah. That's what you get a lot. I get that a bunch. I get some Adam uh, Sandler too, but I would say Seinfeld probably more. You don't remind me at all of Adam Sandler. Okay, you're very much a Jerry Seinfeld. Okay, I get Zach Galifianakis a lot. Sure, I think that's that's a good one. Uh, so we'll go with those. That would be that'd be a great buddy buddy comedy. That would be pretty funny from like 15 years ago, but yeah, but even now we both picked two 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 <laughs> two men who are. Much older than us. <laughs> True. Okay. Yeah. Seinfeld is, I think, he's got to be approaching seventy now. 
Is he really? Is he that old? He's old. He's like 65 at least. Okay. Hold on. Let me, let me look at how old Seinfeld How old is Zach? Zach might be. Yeah, Seinfeld is 68. Wow. Okay. And Zach Galifianakis is in his 50s. All right. I'm 36. You're what? 50? You're really only 36. You're what? 51? I'm 51, yeah. Yeah. You're only 36? I know, dude. So UCLA hasn't won a Rose Bowl in how long? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he asked, what, what, "What were his questions? Who would play us? And then what would be the oh, B plot? Uh, no, who plays? Was it Larry Scott or um, yeah? Who plays Larry Scott? Larry Scott would be that. Um, you know who would who actually I think would do a pretty good like a Steve Carell would do the Larry oh, Scott. Oh my god! I think that I would be love good. it. Yeah, what a cast! Yeah, no, I think it'd be really Fuck, fun. Yeah, that's a cast. Well, because it's got to be like kind of an absurdist comedy. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Um, B-plots. I think um, there'll be this B-plot. Now, we Larry Scott wouldn't even, like, acknowledge our existence. But I'm thinking just from the, the cast, like, there was, like, a road trip to Vegas that we all went on uh-huh. to try to, like, scout for, like, where the championship oh, yeah. no, the, game could the be played. The B-plot is all of us at a Pac-12 tournament. Everybody. Yeah, Larry I think Scott. That's good. Larry Scott staying in his suite. We talk him into so it's basically doing basically the hangover. We did. We talk. It's like the hangover. We talk him into like a, a drive from L.A. where we're going to podcast on the way, and uh, um, he consents to drive even though you he spike wants our to drink, take the private. You, you jet. give us like this. Yeah, yeah. We convince him to drive, and you like spike our drinks with some shit, and uh, we are just absolutely obliterated and make fools of ourselves at uh, at the Pac-12 basketball tournament. And we wake up and we're like Mike Tyson's suite with a tiger. Like, so, but yeah, so it's kind of like the hangover. I, I think that'd be a good sub, that subplot. Love it. Cool. Thanks, Zodiac Killer. Okay. I think our first one is the Deja Vu all over again. Did we do that one yet? Uh, Frank and Sacramento? I thought we did. Oh, did we? Um, I think we read it. Okay. Let's go to. Uh, Kevin Jesus Warren? Kevin Jesus Warren. Love the pod, guys. What is your take on Kevin Warren? Some members of the media and Kevin Warren himself seem to talk or act as if he single-handedly brokered the biggest deal in college football, but even he said USC, UCLA and USC approached him about joining the Big Ten. All he had to do was say okay. That is like having a 3,000-pound tuna unicorn golden goose hybrid jump out of the ocean onto the deck of my boat and returning to port with my chest puffed out, bragging to everyone about what a great fisherman I am. Thoughts? Um, do you want to or do you want to read the rest? Okay. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, he took a lot of heat in the beginning. Sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. I think I think Fox has had a lot to do with this. Uh, why did the Big Ten partner with the ACC and the Pac-12? It's sort of like we, we're equal partners, even though one is way more powerful than the other. Uh, it seems like the I think Fox is behind a lot of this stuff where they didn't want the the playoff extended because then ESPN would just keep all of the rights. Right. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of this is coming from the Fox side, but it makes sense from the big 10 side too. Uh, I think back in the day it was Jim Delaney had some sort of tried to get a better deal from ESPN and ESPN told him to pound sand and they did the big 10 network and it was successful. And he was like, F you dude, you know, like he, it was sort of like a point of contention and it seems like this has been coming for a long time, but Fox seemed like a, a you know, was definitely a willing partner. I think they've worked together. So I would give them credit because, I mean, there were decisions you could have made. It's not easy to break away from ESPN. So yeah. I, I'm not saying he's a mastermind, but I think he's worked with the right people. He worked with USC, UCLA, Fox, and set the conference up for this 
historic over a billion dollars a year year TV deal yeah, for college dis- football. That's going to destroy college football, as we know it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what was David, quote, comrade contrarian Woods doing criticizing Chip Kelly for being contrarian last podcast? I would think he would recognize and appreciate the Chippers game. Your hero, Matt. Do you remember what you were saying? No. I don't either. So sorry about that. Uh, Pete in Vancouver, NIL is the subject. Gentlemen. Heard some people, including possibly on your podcast, talking about the quote, a quote, NIL salary cap or similar regulations around NIL. But I don't understand how that could possibly work, despite appearing to be NIL is not a salary and wouldn't be subject. uh, It wouldn't be subject of any sort of collective bargaining agreement. NFL players salaries are subject to a salary cap. But as far as I know, that doesn't limit what the NFL players can make on endorsement deals, which is basically what NIL corresponds to. Am I missing something? How could anyone ever tell an athlete that they can only earn a certain amount from their name, image, or likeness? Pete in Vancouver. Peter. Peter, Project sorry. Project into the future, like, uh, literally from this email about a week and a half, because... Uh, <laughs> What we're talking about, generally speaking, and what most people are seeing in terms of NIL is these collectives. And the collectives, I think, largely are turning into essentially the salary arm of the university where, yeah, okay, every player is going to be guaranteed. Because think about it from a coach's perspective. I have to recruit these guys. I can't necessarily make the sell myself. But maybe I can say something to the effect of, well, our guys average out to, you know, baseline making $100,000 a year or whatever it is. That's something you can sell. That can only be organized through a collective. Uh, if you can regulate the collectives, yeah, you're not going to cover every single bit of money that comes into the players, but you could cap what can be contributed to a particular team from a collective group. Um, yeah, there's some nuance to it, but I don't actually think it would be that hard to regulate. No, and I think, and I don't think the issue is going to be, hey, there, there's, you know, I think Texas Tech Collective came out and they're going to give everyone like thirty five grand a year yeah. or something like that. Um, I just interviewed the people that started a new USC Collective because a lot of the fans aren't. They're talking about like a base salary, but that's not going to be for like another year or something. They're just not, they're not that far along with stuff. But stuff like that, I don't think there's going to be an issue because that's going to grow. If, if you're playing a hundred players, like I think what they're normally talking about is if you go somewhere as a high school player and there's a huge bag of money, like how can you limit that? But you never could. Yeah. I don't think you can. Um, but and, what we're talking about is, is limiting the stuff that is, you can't limit the like extraneous 10%. Like some guys are going to get bags of money for $10 million or a million dollars or whatever it is. But by and large, you're like garden variety player. He's going to be getting a, essentially a stipend from NIL collectives. Um, I think by the time this all smooths out, most schools are going to have some sort of collective and it might be, oh, you're going to get 30 grand a year to go to ASU. You might get 70 grand a year to go to USC or whatever it is. Uh, but let's like, you know, if you're the 18th guy in the class, like you still you, get that. Yeah. Yeah. But you can regulate that because they're not getting bags of money to go anywhere. They're, right. they're getting the guarantee of an NIL allotment and that NIL allotment yeah, okay, the way this was designed was, oh, it's just going to be these guys individually selling their name, image, and likeness. Yeah, that's not the way it's working out. The way it's working out is that guys are getting salaries, or they're going to be soon. Yeah. Now, if it's a guy like that number 18 guy in the class, 
say he just happens to be like really good looking and has a whole bunch of TikTok followers. Then he or whatever. can get money on his own. He's going to get it's the more, same, but that's yeah. endorsements. Yeah, it's it's basically the collectives are functioning as a you know the the money arm. They're they're functioning as the GM so to speak. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, the true NIL stuff, the stuff everyone thought NIL might have been if they didn't apply any you know, previous knowledge of what college football actually is, uh, that's your endorsement money. That's LeBron James' Nike deal. That's, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, they can, they can make money doing that. They can yeah. make as much money as they want, but it's not their salary. Yeah. Their salary is going to come from the collectives. Yep. Uh, this For is from Ross. They might, yeah. They might be employees at some point, you know. Right. This is from Ross. Best ever. Hey, guys, who's the best college player you've ever seen live? Oh, I've got a great answer to this, Ryan. Okay, who? You ready? Yeah. So he's this running back. He played in uh, L.A. Okay. Back around like 2004, 2005. Yeah. Um, best running back I've ever seen. Uh, certainly the best in L.A. at that time. Um, just an <laughs> absolute punt return for a touchdown machine. Uh-huh. Um, just an incredible athlete. Uh, fast as hell. Um Helped lead his team to a big 2005 season. Um, finished with double-digit wins. Um, just a really incredible player. Napoleon Complex guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was a he was a California product. Yeah, yeah. Um, he maybe came, maybe De La Salle. Yeah, maybe De La Salle. <laughs> uh, but I think we've done this before. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by far, by far, the best running back uh, going certainly in the state of California at that time. Maurice Drew. Uh Jones Drew. Or was he He, he was, was Maurice Drew at the time. Yeah. He can be Jones Drew now. He was legit. Um I mean, you could go Lendell White, you know, and not even mention Reggie Bush. Uh I <laughs> Pete, Reggie Pete, Pete Carroll certainly could. Yeah. Reggie Reggie would be definitely up there for me. Um Troy Palomalo was pretty special to watch. When I was in school, I was only there one year with him, but like Junior Seau was freaking ridiculous. Um that was a good one. What about Maurice uh, Maurice Jones Drew? Yeah, he was fine. I mean, he didn't win a lot of games when I saw, but I I saw him lose games. Like I didn't I didn't get to see him win much. If I saw him win more, maybe it would have been uh, been something. But he was I mean, he, he was he Jones Drew was a beast. He was a beast. Um, I'm trying to think of who else would be like. I mean, like it's hard. Like the historic guys like that for me, like. Like anyone recent, like from USC, and I, you know, seen great players from other colleges. Marquise a, Lee was when he was when he was peaking. It was that was something to behold. And you know, I got to see Vince Young in his, you know, in that Rose Bowl. Like he was ridiculous. But I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of his career. It's hard to like, yeah, you know, kind of put it together. I'm trying to think of some other like a Pac-12. John David Booty. No. Uh, like Jake the Snake. You know, at, at Arizona State, like yeah, he was yeah. a stud. Um, I mean, Andrew Luck, like Mar- Mariota, Mario. I, I like luck better than Mariota, but, um, I got to see more luck than Mariota and, uh, Andrew Luck was pretty freaking awesome. I mean, so McCaffrey, oh. McCaffrey was freaking what, what about Jake the snake Browning? <laughs> that is true. Uh, he, he's number one. Yeah. Number one. I mean, well, I've he never, seven years I've never of tape. Seen, seven years I've of never tape. seen a quarterback succeed at such a high level while throwing with their off arm. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, but like McCaffrey was pretty freaking awesome. Like yep. that guy was special. Uh, 
I mean, I don't know. There's so many good, like Miles Jack was awesome, but you know, but the, it's hard to be do like the historic. So Miles Jack, it, it's just it's not longevity. Like I didn't see him do it over a long enough period of time. But what he did that freshman year, like the yeah. freakiest thing I've ever seen was him starting at, or playing at running back against Arizona and racking up 120 yards on like five carries. <laughs> it was like what the. F- <laughs> Dory Jackson was pretty special. He did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good dudes. I would I want more Pac-12 ones. Uh, but just, you know, you don't get to see those guys as much. But yeah. Uh, this was a question uh Michael from the Bay Area sent in. He said, Ryan and Comrade Dave, now that the NCAA's hammer of justice has fallen on Tennessee, what do you think is in store for ASU? I would have to imagine if the allegations against them are true. They're going to be looking at a similar punishment fight on uh, from Mike. They'll be waiting a while, Mike. Yeah, we just don't know at this point. So, Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, oh, you got a big one. Yeah, this is from Puke Grello. The Big Ten Pac-12 school comparison chart no one asked for. Dudes, last week there was a question about the Big Ten school compares best about which Big Ten school compares best to which Pac-12 school. But it didn't quite grasp the point that for Ryan and Dave to actually do this, you have to do it for them. Or in this case, you have to do 15 minutes of Jack Jack Kerouac-esque typing for them. So here we go. USC is Ohio State? Not quite. Ohio State is a team in its prime, still out there being a contender. USC is the 50-year-old male sitting on the couch, saying they can still do all of that while his wife smiles politely. There are 14 Big Ten teams and only 12 Pac-12 ones. So some teams don't get comps, and Ohio State is the obvious one. Build an actual Death Star like the Buckeyes have and then play the Imperial March, any Pac-12 team, but mostly USC. USC is, however, Penn State. They both won some championships a while back. They both fell on hard times and both proclaimed themselves to be back with a big coaching hire. Neither one actually is back yet, but just you wait and wait and wait. You'll see. And don't mention NCAA sanctions around either of them. UW is Michigan, also won some champions in the past, championships in the past. They'll never really let you forget about those championships either. They're also always claiming to be back, even though they probably aren't. But they've at least made the CFB playoffs since it expanded to four teams, so there is a little more validity, validity to the claim. Uh, Oregon is Michigan State. Both used to be pretty bad at football. Now they're pretty good, but not good enough where the Blue Bloods in the conference give them any respect. Also, Sporty fans giving Wolves fans crap for being 10 and 3 against them in recent years, and the Wolves countering with look at the all time series, which is the cornerstone argument between Kooks and Dukes. Colorado is Nebraska. Both won a national championship in the 90s. Both left the Big 12 for greener pastures, and both openly talk about moving back to the Big 12 where things were better for them, but also serve as a cautionary tale for UCLA moving into the Big 10. Utah is Wisconsin, a pretty good team whose greatest height in recent years is reaching a Rose Bowl. Also, both would play offense like both would play offense with like 81 tight ends if they could. Arizona is Indiana. Football? Not really our thing. But hey, check out our basketball trophies. UCLA is Illinois. Football? Yeah, we used to be good at that when Red Grange and Jackie Robinson <laughs> roamed the earth. But now we really wish we could quit fo- football and focus on basketball. Oregon State is Minnesota. Football? Eh, not really. Basketball? Not quite either. But we've got this third-tier college sport in which we're really good that we'll spend hours trying to convince you is the third most important college sport. Although in Minnesota's defense, watching college hockey is less likely to make you uh, want to put your eyes out than college baseball. (laughs) Arizona State is, Google's the Big Ten school with the highest STD rate, (laughs) Iowa. 
Digging past the first link, I'm not 100% sure I buy this. And in my experience, this is really Ohio State. But I'm not comparing ASU to Ohio State. And I'm too lazy to go to a third link to see what the actual fit is. Plus, Iowa hasn't been used yet. (laughs) Wazoo is Purdue. Weird offense that is strangely effective at football. And also, there's a section of the student application that delves into how strong your (laughs) your blood alcohol tolerance is. Uh, Stanford is Northwestern, not because Stansbury is the Harvard of the West and Northwestern is the Harvard of the Midwest, because the University of Chicago is the Harvard of the Midwest. It's because for these teams to be good at football, they must play such an ugly brand of the game that only true sickos don't have to avert their eyes the way Indiana Jones did from the Ark of the Covenant. It's so ugly, it wraps around the spectrum to become beautiful. That leaves Cal. Academically, Cal is Michigan or Wisconsin, but those schools are already spoken for and actually, you know, try it sports. Rutgers? Eh, sure. Let's go with that. Unless Cal fans want to be Maryland. I'm not sure either is a good fit, but I've already used my Google Lifeline once, and I'm as indifferent about it as the Cal Board of Regents is about football. Those are my thoughts anyway. What are yours? Pucarello, bring in the heat. That's a good one. I adopt his email in its entirety. I think, yes, I would I would not argue with any of it. One quick side note, though, he points out. How Okay. How did Indiana Jones know that you couldn't look at the Ark of the Covenant when he opened it? Like, what, what, what made you think that? Like, why? Would, don't look at it, Marion. Like, why? Like, did you read it somewhere? We we don't know the backstory. Behind. The best the best analysis of that movie I've ever seen is that literally nothing about the eventual outcome of that movie changes if Indiana Jones is not in the story. That was Big Bang Theory. Like, that was the the, the one that's the Jeopardy host now. She, yeah. Her character, like, they make her watch it, and then she they, she ruins the movie for them by saying that. You're like, holy crap, that's true. Like, if Indiana Jones wasn't there, the same thing happens. So good. Yeah. Uh, but this was a great, great, great email. Um, yeah, we should save it. And uh, But I think it's a really good comparison going forward. We're not going to save it. Uh, let's see. This is, is this like a, there's a YouTube video. I haven't watched this. Did you watch this YouTube video? Uh-uh. I now understand our new playmates a little better. Uh, okay. I'm not going to. Okay, folks. We got oh, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, one of those people talking into a video pretending to be all the different fans of different schools. Ah, uh, okay. And he's being funny. Okay. Well, it's hard to really do on the podcast. So yeah, it's not really it. podcastable. Uh, cause it's a video. Okay. Uh, We do have an Alliance email from our buddy John in Brea. Ryan and Dave, uh, was your alliance with John Canzano and John Wilner just a handshake? Did Ryan secretly sabotage any guest appearance this this summer by going to Catalina every other day? Do you feel threatened by all that, quote, Canzano and Wilner, the podcast? Do Do you feel threatened at all by Canzano and Wilner, the podcast? And is the future of the Pac-12 podcast is... This the future of Pac-12 podcasting, or is there any hope of you two adding other intelligent guests? John Abrea. We're actually going to do like a West Side Story dance-off. We could do that. Um, well, I heard that they were supposed to have one this week, and I haven't seen it yet. The dance-off? No, no, the, oh, the new podcast. podcast. I, I feel like I subscribed to it, and I haven't seen an episode. So they're already off to a great start where you tell people you're going to record <laughs> and don't. Um, that that that, that kind of fits with uh, Wilner's first podcast. <laughs> he would do like I liked it, it, but it was just. But it would be like very sporadic, like once every six weeks. <laughs> yeah, there would be stuff like that. Plus, here's the thing, you know, when you're like, 
if you're going to like break into an industry, you're sort of like, and it's always good to kind of get it on, you know, when things are on the rise, you know? So like, let's start a Pac-12 podcast as, <laughs> as the ship is sinking. I think both those guys are smart, but maybe together, not super smart. No, we love, we obviously love both of them. I think they would both come on our show. They, you know, to promote their own now. You can, they have their own podcast, you know, at least for now, who knows? Like they have like one intro episode, who, but who can touch the level of, depth and breadth of knowledge that we bring i think this all comes back to we are so bad at this that people are coming out of the woodwork to make podcasts about a dying conference we can do this better than they can and clearly if they are still doing it there's some value here there isn't right we don't make any money from this right but we get some underwear we do which is nice i'm wearing some of that right now uh me too um but yeah like how bad like, like how bad are we at our jobs that everyone knows the conference is dying, yet people are coming out of the woodwork. We've convinced them there is something to be had here. Like, oh, these guys do this every week, mostly. Like, there's more Paxful podcasts than there are, like, Big Ten podcasts or, like, you know. Yeah, there's no reason for this. No. We've created a monster. We did. Like, literally, we're so bad at this. It's great. That people want to keep doing it. All right, but thanks, John. Uh, a perk, a rare email from Perk. Oh, Big Ten fan bases, Michigan schools. Ryan and Dave, welcome to the Big Ten. You gave me breakdowns of what ice cream flavor best matches David Shaw. The best I can do is a warning of what kinds of fans are ahead of you. Michigan State, pretty solid fan base, not too arrogant, not too loud, but very obsessed with the University of Michigan. In 2014, they were probably happier about Michigan going five and seven than they were about their own team winning 11 games and the Cotton Bowl. Michigan, the most arrogant fan base in the conference. Message boards are quite an experience with them because the guy yelling at you on the other end either didn't go to college or is currently a senior partner at Bain Capital. <laughs> Their best moments are after a loss in a big game, launching all the excuses the fan base of a high academic school can fire. Michigan usually loses because, quote, the players attend in-person classes or, quote, we can't recruit the same guys as Ohio State and Alabama while maintaining our reputation. They say all of these things as if Harbaugh never coached and won at Stanford. Sometimes they'll just bypass those lines and go straight to something like, quote, Forbes still says our brand is top five in college football. Anyone that thinks USC and UCLA have arrogant fan bases haven't met Michigan's. Also, Michigan is a swing state, and I cannot wait for David's barrel fire political takes <laughs> to reach these folks. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Perk. That's oh, good to read read your stuff. Yeah, this is uh, from Dev Null. Uh, race to the exit. Who leaves the Pac-12 first? USC and UCLA or Herm Edwards? <sighs> Herm, come on. Herm. Herm's yeah. not lasting that long. Herm for sure. And last one from Frank in Sacramento. Unintended consequences. In the future, college football and some men's basketball players will become school employees subject to performance review, hiring, firing, wage scales, unionization, overtime, sick leave, medical insurance, revenue sharing, and workers' compensation laws. At that point, these revenue sports will no longer be a participant in Title IX court rulings and legislation. Colleges will no longer need to meet the proportionality rule to prevent losing federal research grant money, financial aid, or subsidized student loans. As such, the remaining men's sports and all of women's sports will be reduced to non-scholarship club teams or dropped in entirely was there a question there i have no idea frank often um Statements. often soapboxes he often does a little bit of soapboxing yeah uh i don't know my answer is i don't know i mean there is like you become employees there's a there's definitely going to be a whole bunch of 
unintended consequences, right? There's going to be things that happen. I don't know. I mean, you maybe you put guardrails in place to keep things, to keep the Olympic sports alive. I I, I don't know. But, I don't know either. Yeah, there's who knows. We're we're going that way, but I don't know what what's gonna what's gonna look like. Um, okay, well, we have gone hour and fifty minutes. Uh-huh. Not not too bad. Uh, we're in we're in we're in season form. See, yeah, total in season form. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and do, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> let's wrap this shit up. Okay, uh, it's been a day. Uh, that is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham, and we are the podcast of champions. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.